Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 258 Sportscast, episode 11. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as always, is Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how you doing today? I am doing great, Tommy. Coming off of a little bit of a spring break vacation, but I'm very excited to be back. Not missing any episodes, even though our last one uh, was a little bit delayed with the with the output on Instagram. But once again, episode 11 is here, and we have a lot to talk about with the amount of sports news that has hit the headlines in the past several days, and we're going to get to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. So let me go ahead and outline this episode for you guys. Today we're going to be talking about uh, some of the NFL trades that have been going through. We'll also talk about the new CBA between the players and the owners in the MLB. And then we will get to NFL free agency, some top players and where we think they may be going. And then Jet and I will also be talking about our uh, Colts and Dolphins here just to, you know, maybe give a few players that we think or we hope could sign with our teams. Jet, you ready to get into it? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Go ahead and start us off with this day in sports history. Can't forget about her. Cannot forget about her. That's that's an understatement there, Tommy. <laughs> um, so this this one, we're, we're not taking it back too far in history. We're just going back a couple of years. On this day in sports history, the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This marked a monumental moment in sports history just because it was the first time the tournament had not been held since 1939. Obviously, this was the culmination of many other events getting postponed. Uh, The NBA, the NHL were were postponed days before the NCAA canceled theirs. Um, They held out the most hope. Obviously, this tournament only happens once a year. The other seasons, they're year-long, but... After the Ivy League was the first conference to cancel their tournament several days earlier, other conferences followed suit, and then the whole tournament wound up getting canceled. The main reason for the NCAA deciding to cancel the tournament had a lot to do with the whole memorable Rudy Gobert incident of him uh, kind of making a joke of COVID-19 and, you know, touching all the microphones and acting like, you know, nothing was going to happen. Obviously, he ended up coming down with covid which you know sparked the even more cancellations uh, from that incident. But um, while we didn't get to see a tournament in 2020, uh, we did get to see one in 2021, and we got to see you know really more back to normal than 2021 and 2022 in a couple weeks. And Tommy and I will have all of our predictions and preview that whole tournament in a coming episode. And we're excited to you know make our predictions and go head to head on that as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I know I know I'm going for my fourth straight perfect bracket here in the NCAA tournament. I don't know, Jed, have you ever had a perfect bracket before? I've I've I, I know I've hit on almost every single one since I've been born. So, um, interesting you say that because <laughs> the odds of hitting a perfect bracket are are very, 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 very small. So by you saying that, you know, you had a perfect bracket, there's a better chance you can get struck by lightning, um, actually. So I, I'm really, you know, honestly shocked that you've had a perfect bracket so many times throughout your life. Yeah, well, actually, I leave my predictions on an editable document. So it is, I, I can go back and look at them and I can prove it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into some NFL trades that we've we've seen here so far. You know, Khalil Mack. 
Carson Wentz. That's a big one for me. Let's talk about Carson Wentz first, if that's all right with you. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to have plenty to say about this, so I'll, I'll give you the floor here, kind of talk about what went down in this trade and, and your initial reaction from when you, when you found out about it. So, honestly, a very similar deal the Colts had with the Eagles uh, to take Wentz off of their hands. The Washington Commanders had with the Colts to take him off of our hands. Um, so we, we traded Wentz and our second round pick of this season to move up four, no, five spots in the second round of this season. So we got their second round pick, their third round pick, and next year's conditional second or third round pick. If Wentz plays 70% of the snaps, we get a second. If he doesn't, we get a third. Um, and the main part of this trade for us was freeing up cap space because he was a top 10 paid quarterback in the NFL and he was not playing like that. So that's that's the main thing I think that we got out of this trade as as a Colts fan. I, other than that, I think it's a very just like the, it was a negative trade for both sides. There wasn't much gain. Um, I think the Colts did win this trade honestly by a little bit due to the the cap hit that we get. But it doesn't matter if Chris Ballard doesn't do something in free agency. So. I mean, there's not a lot to say about this trade, honestly, other than we just have to wait to see what the Colts do now because we can't really determine a winner until we see what this cap space does for them. And the Colts are notoriously, not notoriously, but recently they have been known to be a good drafting team. Um, you know, we got Leonard in the second round. Braden Smith we got in the third round. Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, both second rounders. So we've been we've been good drafters as of as of recent times. I think Kenny Moore went in the third or fourth. So we, we we know how to draft, and that's that's a good front office thing. So moving up five spots, maybe Chris Ballard knows something that nobody else does. He saw something in that second round. Maybe that was a good move for him that he thinks. Um, obviously, we don't know anything about next year's draft yet, but. plus for us obviously we need a quarterback uh, there's been circulation of Jimmy G who I think people hate on Jimmy G a lot I think he's the same quarterback as Wentz honestly um, with less fumbles so I don't I don't really mind having Jimmy G at under center but there's there's a whole lot there's a whole lot of question marks still surrounding this trade before you can really grade it I feel like what do you think yeah, I think I think it's very hard to decipher who the clear winner in this trade is. Um, for the Colts side of it, I think you know getting Wentz off their hands is going to be very beneficial going forward because it gives them a lot more options whether they want to target someone in the draft, target someone in free agency, or make a trade for a quarterback. For Washington, um, you know everyone is under the assumption that they were going to draft a quarterback in the draft this year. Um, I still think they will. I just don't understand why you need to, you know, acquire someone like a Carson Wentz who, if anything, is going to be on your team one, maybe two years. And it's not like, you know, Washington was a quarterback away. And and even even be, if they, even if they were, Carson Wentz wouldn't be the quarterback to put them over the top. So it's interesting that Washington was involved in this trade, but. Um, I still think, you know, I, I think Wentz will probably be the quarterback for for the year, the next year until they can get a quarterback fully developed if they were to draft one in this upcoming draft or a future draft. 
But I, I'm very curious now to see what the Colts do at the quarterback position because right now Las Vegas has Jimmy Garoppolo as the best odds to become the Colts' next quarterback, followed by Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Sam Ellinger, Jameis Winston, and Teddy Bridgewater. Tommy, what are your thoughts on those odds? Do you like any of those quarterbacks in that group? If not, uh, who's who's who do you want to be the quarter, Colts' quarterback in 2022? To be honest with you, I'm fine with all of those options other than Teddy Bridgewater and Jimmy G. I think that Sam Ellinger deserves a chance in the NFL. He showed flashes in preseason, which I know isn't a huge deal, but he did. He showed flashes in preseason. I think Mitch Trubisky was very unfairly treated. Um, you know, we we've now we now see that Matt Nagy was a brutal coach, and Mitch Trubisky led that team to the playoffs. He led them down the field for a game-winning field goal that they just couldn't hit. I think Mr. Trubisky was unfairly treated in his time in the NFL as a starter, so I'd be fine to, to give him a chance. Obviously, Deshaun Watson, I've talked about him before. I think he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL, and I think if we get Deshaun Watson, I think we're, we, we spring into the Super Bowl contender conversation. So Deshaun Watson, obviously, I'd be very happy with. Um. So what, Deshaun, Mitch, Sam Ellinger, I talked about. Who was the other one? Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. I mean, he's he's proven that he can score, but he's also proven that he can help the other team score. So Jameis Winston's kind of a toss-up. I wouldn't be thrilled with the signing, but I, I think he is the second-best free agent option right now for the Colts. Okay, yeah. I mean, for me, just just looking at who Vegas like has at the top of their list, you know, odds wise, I just feel like you know, obviously, you just talked about with Mitch Trubisky not giving a fair, giving a fair shot at Chicago. I think you know, potentially giving him another shot with a great group of offensive weapons and offensive line around him. I think he could really excel um, in the cold system, and obviously, you know. Just, just the track record that he has, people are going to say, but, you know, he was never able to produce at a high level. And I just think a lot of that is attributed to what Mac Nagy did as a head coach. And of all those options on this list, obviously Deshaun Watson would be the premier, premier one. But I just don't see the Colts giving up a ton to get a guy like Deshaun Watson. So I think they're going to, you know, either, you know, take a shot at someone, you know, for cheap in, in free agency or, you know, make a trade where they don't have to give up much because obviously they have a, a great group around whoever their quarterback will be. And if they could just get someone that can make the correct throws when they need them to, uh, the Colts are going to be a, a big threat in the NFL this upcoming season. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of people, you know, they dismiss the Colts. You see a 9-8 and eight record, you lose to the Jags, you lose uh, week, week 18 to the Jags. This team was 9-6. and six. All they had to do was win one of their remaining two games, and they were locked in the playoffs. Even if it was against the Raiders in Week 17, they're locked into the playoffs. They choked both these games, and I think that's where a lot of the ones hate came in because before that, there wasn't much. You know, he, he was the same quarterback he was in Philly with a much better team around him. But another thing about this Colts team is that they, they lost eight games in the 2021 season. In seven of those games, excluding uh, week one against the Seattle Seahawks, we, we had a fourth quarter lead in every single game in the NFL this year. So we, we, 
I mean, I can't. I think a lot of our failure comes down to our defensive coordinator doesn't know how to play fourth quarter defense. We had the worst fourth quarter defense in the NFL. When you look at our team, we had a pretty good defense. You know, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore, Isaiah Rogers, Rocky Scene. We had a lot of players that you know we shouldn't be the, the worst defense in the NFL by any stretch. So when we're the worst fourth quarter defense in the NFL, you have to look at the defensive coordinator more than the players there. Um, and then same with Wentz. Wentz was really bad in pressure situations. I think Frank Reich was as well. So I, I don't think it was the team played bad. I don't think Wentz is a bad quarterback. I just think he's a choke artist, and I think that's that that came to fruition, and that came very very true here for Indy last season. Yeah, and now just you know taking a little look at Washington going forward. I talked about it a little bit before, but Tommy, do you think that? Wentz will remain Washington's quarterback for, you know, this year or future years? And if so, do you think they will make the playoffs if, if he is their quarterback? Well, to me, the move was strange because it wasn't like – like Tyler Heineke is a perfect place filler. Mm-hmm. He's He is fine in that role. So obviously they think they have a shot at the division this year if they're making a move to get a quarterback upgrade. Um so I don't even think they'll draft a quarterback this year. I think they're going to ride out once his contract, paying a lot of money for it. So I think they're going to ride it out. And I think they have a shot at the East if if once can play well. Obviously, that's a massive if, you know, but I think Terry McLaurin is is the perfect player for Wentz. Wentz loves jump balls. He loves getting those pass interference penalties. He he loves doing those things. So I think Terry McLaurin is going to be a he's, – he's going to be on watch now for, you know, a top five fantasy wide receiver and you know jet and i haven't talked about fantasy much on the show because we started the show after fantasy season ended so that's something we haven't talked about yet but i think terry mclaurin is going to be a serious fantasy candidate here next year due to this trade just because you know michael Pittman, he was a serious uh he was he was a good fantasy player for a number of weeks ended up with i think 1100 yards and terry mclaurin is kind of the same player probably runs better routes and he's quicker so something to look for there but yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll ride out with Wentz through the remainder of this contract and just try to see what they can squeeze out of him. Hundred percent. I, I like the Terry McLaurin take a lot. He, he's definitely someone I'll be I'll be looking at in, in fantasy drafts. And obviously when we get closer to that time, we'll we'll definitely get more into that. Yeah, absolutely. But what do you want to talk about next, Jet Khalil Mack? I think we should turn our attention to the Russell Wilson trade because that that was definitely a a, a big one that you know, I maybe, to save maybe it didn't last. surprise some people. I, I wanted to save Russell Wilson for last. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So, what, what's your initial reaction to this Khalil Mack trade? I I like it a lot for the um, Los Angeles Chargers because now you get to pair, you know, a a pro bowler in, in Khalil Mack, who's been one of the best defensive players we've seen in the game in recent years. And now you're pairing him up with Joey Bosa. And I think you got to give a lot of credit for the Chargers, you know, pulling off this kind of kind of move because obviously their defense struggled at times, um, you know, throughout the season. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, Khalil Mack is aging and he's coming off, you know, serious injury. And, and I get all that. And they have to absorb, you know, his remaining contract. But, when Khalil Mack is playing and you get to potentially pair him up with Joey Bosa, that is a lethal 
combination and that, you know, they, the Chargers already have a, a lethal offense and their defense, you know, just got better with this trade. And, and for the Bears, um, obviously for them, they they haven't been great as of late. And now their defense just got a little bit worse. I'm curious to see now what they do with their new head coach, uh, the former Colts defensive coordinator, to see how he maybe shakes up that defense and maybe if we see Justin Fields take a step forward next season. But overall, I think both teams, you know, did well in this trade. Obviously, the the Bears, you know, get rid of a contract and an aging player, and the Chargers, you know, improving their defense and trying to establish themselves as a contender for the 2022 season. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, I see what you're saying there. I think the I think the Chargers kind of just jumped the gun here. I think they were trying to clear up a narrative from last season that they had a just a, a horrible defense. I think that the defense of last year attributes to them missing the playoffs a great deal. And I think the Chargers really wanted to smush this narrative. I don't think this was the move to do it, though, because Khalil Mack, I think – I think Khalil Mack may play, you know, five to six games this season. He's always hurt. He's been hurt for the past two to three years now. When he's on the field, he's a monster. Maybe him and Joey Bosa together for those five games is going to be enough to make them to the playoffs. But, I mean, like I said, that's, that's going to be very scary when they're on the same field. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Um, but to pick up the contract is the biggest part of this trade again, I think. Because they got rid of a second round pick of this year and next year's sixth round pick, which isn't a, a huge haul at all for a player like Khalil Mack. Because we're, Khalil Mack was in the Aaron Donald conversation when they were both healthy like four years ago. So, I mean, it, I think the name value here is is a huge part of this trade. And like I said, I think it's to push the narrative that the Chargers defense is going to be better this year. I don't think this is going to make the defense as as good as people think it's going to. Yeah, and I, I think the thing about this deal is I think the Chargers truly believe that they're, you know, a few pieces away from potentially winning the Super Bowl, and, and that could be very true. Um, even if this Khalil Mack, you know, situation doesn't work out, uh, the Chargers have, you know, multiple outs with him. They could cut him in 2023 to save $17 million or cut him in 2024 to save $20 million. So if the Khalil Mack experiment doesn't work, they have options um, I'm yeah, curious it's... to see how how these two big names, Bosa and Mac, mesh together. I do though think that if Khalil Mac does stay healthy, which which is going to be hard considering what we've seen from him in the past, I think this defense just just got a little bit better. Yeah, I think this is this reminds me a bit of like a Von Miller type deal here, and I think if they win this year, then no harm, no foul. If they miss the playoffs again this year, then brutal trade for Los Angeles. What do, you, do you agree with those two statements? I, I totally agree. Von, Von Miller is the perfect person to bring up in this situation. I do think um, the Rams and Chargers are, are probably on different levels um, when we're talking about you know contenders in the NFL. Obviously, the Chargers ended up winning. I mean, the Rams ended up winning, and that move ended up paying off extremely well. Yeah, so I agree with that. If, if if Khalil Mack is not able to you know bring this Chargers team to a Super Bowl and win that Super Bowl. I just think that it's it's going to end up not being worth it just because of the contract they're taking on, and they did have to give up picks. So Yeah. Now let's go ahead and talk about the biggest trade we've seen so far this offseason involving Russell Wilson being a Denver Bronco to throw to Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. 
Um, they did lose Noah Fant in the deal. I almost said he's going to be throwing the Fant as well, but he will not be. Jet, I'm going to give you my initial reaction to this trade, and I'm looking at the Seahawks side more than the Broncos because I think the Broncos are – they have a great defense, but I think that offense is is a bit overrated. Um, a lot of the pieces on that offense I think are overrated. But looking at the Seahawks side, this team now has like two and a half good players. I would count Jamal Adams as the half good player. He he's good in certain situations. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's. I just don't think he's a solid player. I think he's good in certain situations. You set him up to succeed, he will. You set him up to fail, he will. But then you look at Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's not super young anymore. Could we could we potentially see him on the move and maybe DK Metcalf as well? Is there? Do you think see them on the move here? I could definitely see someone like Tyler Lockett on the move, especially when we're seeing veterans like Bobby Wagner, you know, dumped off the team. It's it's obvious that this team is headed in a rebuild. I think with you know DK Metcalf going to be due for a contract extension fairly soon, I think he's going to want to look other places when he you know declares for agency, just because. At this moment, the Seahawks don't have a competent quarterback throwing to their two biggest weapons and what's going to make either one of them want to stick around. So I think obviously the Seahawks are you know headed for a, a rebuild, but for some reason there's there's other rumors out there that you know think differently, which is which is kind of mind-boggling and we'll get to that in a little bit. Well, I think I think Drew Locke can succeed in the NFL. But there is absolutely zero chance he succeeds at the Seattle Seahawks team that he has in front of them. Um, I mean, there's there's not a lot there for him to do. No, no offensive line. Weapons are there, but he doesn't have time to throw to them. It, it's going to be tough. No, like The defense is gone. Bobby Wagner was the best part of that defense, and obviously I consider still a top-five defensive player in the NFL. Even even as he's getting older, I, I just don't see a whole lot that Drew Locke's going to be able to do. And the Seahawks team, like you said, it's 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 over now. It's rebuild time. Russell Wilson is over. Legion of Boom is gone. Marshawn Lynch, that man has been gone for years. There's nothing for the Seahawks team to do now other than try to put together some string together some good drafts. What do you think? Who do you, well, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, who do you think won this trade? Because I, I've been hearing a lot of, you know, conflicting responses. Um, what what are the exact details of the trade, Jet? Can you tell me what what? Yeah, so the Broncos traded Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first, two seconds, and a fifth for Russell Wilson and a twenty twenty two fourth. I think the the winner is to be determined. If Russell Wilson plays well, I I don't think I don't think there's a way that the Broncos can win this trade without a ring, but. Mm-hmm. I think if Russell Wilson plays well and doesn't win a ring, he gets into the playoffs the next few years. It's a, it's a, it's an even trade. They tied because Russell Wilson, obviously, that that's the whole point of this trade. They think Russell Wilson, they think he's still the guy that can get a team to the Super Bowl and win it for him. But if he's not, they lose the trade. If he plays well, it's a tie. The only way they win, they win this trade is with a ring, because that's that's a lot. That's a haul to give up. Oh, yeah. Just just looking at the trade, you know, on the surface without, you know, anything happening from this point on, I think the Seahawks definitely won this trade with the amount of draft capital and, you know, good players they got involved in this trade. Obviously, it's to be determined what the Seahawks will do with these picks. But 
I mean, Russell Wilson hasn't been been able to string a full season together. I don't think ever, if if any if if anything, there are a few seasons, but he's had trouble stringing together full seasons throughout his career. He's been great throughout a handful of games, but obviously, obviously, a lot of people are under the assumption that the Broncos are a quarterback away, and I don't I don't believe they are. They definitely got a lot better, and they definitely are going to be a playoff team in my opinion next year. But I think they're still. Still a little bit to go from becoming a Super Bowl contender. And obviously, Russell Wilson helps them get to that point. But um, there's there's a lot more work to be done to really start, you know, really start hopping on board of, of this hype train that's starting to take off. Yeah, and, and to get back to what I was saying earlier about, I think I think this offense is overrated. I'm, I'm a believer in their defense. I think Pat Sertain is just as good as Micah Parsons as far as, defensive players coming out of last year's draft. But I think that there is – I think Jerry Judy's overrated. I haven't seen much from him. I haven't seen much from Cortland Sutton. Obviously, I'm not just talking about results because there's not going to be many results when you're throwing with new – quarter. you're receiving from new quarterbacks your whole career. No one's solid. You know, but just, just as far as route running and speed – and I, I hope I'm wrong because these are – these are solid players. They were great in college. But I, I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are a bit overrated. I think Tim Patrick's the best receiver in this offense. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about production, but production, he produced. He produced while he was playing. And so, obviously, they had they all had the same situation. He wasn't I, facing – what's up? No, I, I 100% disagree with what you're saying about Jerry Judy and uh, Cortland Sutton being overrated. Obviously, they haven't had a competent quarterback that was able to throw them the ball. And and just looking at Jerry Judy, obviously he's dealt with injuries. You look you look at this last season; he missed half the season due to injury. And he he honestly he's one of the the better route runners that we see in the game. And looking at Cortland Sutton, um, he's he's had plenty of production with subpar quarterbacks. And obviously he's another guy that has dealt with injury issues. So before we start calling any of these guys overrated, I want to see um, what Russell Wilson can get out of these guys. Cause I believe that with a competent quarterback, both of these guys are going to flourish and the Broncos could be looking at one of the better wide receiver trios in the NFL. Cause def- definitely have to always talk about Tim Patrick with, with what he you know did last year. So Russell Wilson, I believe, is going to elevate all these guys, even though that they haven't produced the numbers-wise. Jerry Judy hasn't produced numbers-wise, but he has the ability to get it done. And I want to see when all these guys are fully healthy with a competent quarterback, what their, what their ceiling is, because I believe it's a lot higher than we all think. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I will say this. I think, while I think Tim Patrick is the best receiver on this team i also think that Cortland sutton will produce the most next season uh and, and in coming seasons just because russell wilson is known to be a man of faith he loves god he loves talking about god Cortland sutton also is and i think that bond will end up being special for them because they'll they'll just be better friends i think than russell wilson will make with other receivers on the team you know he had he started to not like dk metcalf towards the end of his seahawks career and you saw DK Metcalf's numbers plummet straight through the toilet. Um, and I think this is actually going to make a difference on this team. You, you smiled when I brought it up. But, Jed, I, I do think Cortland Sutton will be the number one receiver on this team, just, just as far as numbers go. 
Oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree. But I do think that we, I think once we see it, because I just remember watching some of the Broncos games that I did see, um, Drew Locke or, you know, whoever was the Broncos quarterback, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater back then or whoever, they just had problems getting Jerry Judy the ball. And obviously Jerry Judy wasn't available for the whole season, but looking at him from a, you know, his skill level, he is very, he is very good route runner. And that that's going to help, you know, having a competent quarterback is going to elevate him. And I'm, I'm excited to see how this, uh, how this new upgraded quarterback is going to be for all these Broncos receivers. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how are we doing on time, Jet? Yeah, we're we're hitting the thirty minute mark uh, right about now, okay. so we probably could touch on a a few more things. You want to head over to the MLB? No, let's let's save MLB for next episode. Let's go ahead and talk about NFL free agency here. You good with that? Okay, that works. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going to list some of the huge names that are still free agents right now, um, and. Maybe we can go a little rapid fire. You tell me where you can see them landing. You, you cool with that? Sounds good. Where do you see J.C. Jackson going? Oh, that that that's a really tough one. Um, uh, I don't think he you know ends up being a patriot once again. I think he's going to be testing the market, and you know he's he's due for a bigger contract, and I just don't think the Patriots are going to be willing to give him the money that he is looking for. Um, so from that from that perspective, I it's hard to say which team he's going to end up on. I just don't think he will be returning to the Patriots in 2022. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. He is, I mean, he's been a top corner for a number of years now. And J.C. Jackson, he's going to get paid. We just got to figure out where. Allen Robinson. So I think you asked me about Allen Robinson uh, several episodes back. And, you know, I had said that the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm going to stick with that just because I I really believe now that it looks like, you know, with the franchise tag being applied to Devontae Adams, he is sort of out of the picture now. I really think to go to come. Go along with a guy that Hunt, like Hunter Renfro, who is excellent out of the slot and is becoming, you know, he is Derek Carr's favorite weapon. I think having that outside guy that is a, you know, is a target monster and is a ball hog. Allen Robinson, while he had a very underwhelming 2021 season, I think even pairing him up with Derek Carr, who may not look, look his way as much as some other quarterbacks in the NFL, I think that the Raiders could use someone like an Allen Robinson. Yeah, and there's also talks about the Raiders potentially going after Deshaun Watson and dealing Derek Carr. Could you see that happening just briefly? I could. I, I don't think Derek Carr's going to get them to a Super Bowl. So if they really want to maximize all that talent they have on that roster, I think an upgrade at quarterback would, would definitely elevate them to, to potentially a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think they do need to stay. They, they may need to take a break from the um, the legal scene here for a year or so. But Deshaun Watson could elevate that team. And obviously, I can only name about two teams that he wouldn't make better. So, but let's let's move on here. Randy Gregory. Um, This is a tough one. Obviously, the Cowboys' whole situation is they have a lot of guys that, you know, either going to be need to pay it a lot or going to need to be 
released or traded just because they are extremely tight when it comes to salary cap. So I don't believe Randy Gregory uh, remains with the Dallas Cowboys. Where he will go, that that's a that's a tough question. Obviously, there there's so many teams that could upgrade their pass rushing core. It's hard to say which one, but from what I'm from what I'm seeing, I just don't see him remaining a cowboy. Okay. Randy Gregory is one I could see coming to the Colts, honestly. Um, that's our biggest need right now. We have Deo at Iingbo, who hasn't done much. We drafted him last year for some reason. Uh, the name is slipping my mind of our first round pick who we rushed at edge or we drafted at edge this year. He played well. Are you looking it up for me, Jet? Give me one second. All right. Well, either way, he played well in his time. I think he will continue to to start on this team. Uh, and, I, and so that's fine with me. Quiddy but I think Oda Ingo, yeah, Quiddy Pay. And I think Oda Ingo needs to be replaced. And I think Quiddy Pay, Randy Gregory, and DeForest Buckner is is a great start. Uh, of a front three. We also have, you know, Grover Stewart, who's played well. He's good at stopping the run. Taylor Stallworth is a good run stuffer. So I think adding Randy Gregory to this to this uh, defensive line is a big move for us because we had almost no pressure, uh, you know, from the defensive end position last season. So I, I think Randy Gregory is one I would love to see the Colts go after, especially with all that cap. That could, that could definitely be a great fit for sure. Um, obviously, Quiddy Pay was great with the Colts in, in his rookie season, but to just, you know, establish that pass rush just a little bit more to improve that defense. When you talked about earlier in the fourth quarter when you need to get to the quarterback, good amount, that, that would definitely be a, a good fit for sure. Yeah, and who's, who's, on, who's one player you have on the Dolphins' wish list right now, Jeff? Yeah, obviously... Um, a lot of the needs are are on the offensive line, and I just don't think um, the experiment of drafting offensive line in the draft is going to work out any longer because it hasn't worked out up to this point, and I don't want to keep testing out those waters to try and find and hit on an offensive lineman. So I'm looking at um, Taron Armstead, offensive tackle for the New Orleans Saints. I think the Dolphins' best bet is to sign offensive linemen in free agency, and I think Armstead is a perfect fit for that. Yes, he you know he dealt with a lot of injury issues in his 2021 season, and he's, and he's getting up there in age. He's, he's age 30 right now, uh, but whenever he's out there, he is one of the better pass protectors in the league. And I think anybody, well, even if it's not Armstead, any any fridge and offensive lineman is better than who the Dolphins have right now. So I think if we start targeting guys offensive line wise in free agency, and then you know. Work around in the draft, potentially get another wide receiver, another edge guy. Um, I think, you know, a guy like starting with Taron Armstead would be a great fit for the Dolphins, among among other teams as well. It's honestly hilarious that you say that because I just – I don't see Armstead as being a good fit for the Dolphins because the best part about him is how good he is at being a blindside protector. And he wouldn't be that for the Miami Dolphins because Tua Tagovailoa – is a left-handed quarterback. So I think that he would be – I think he's a top offensive lineman in the NFL. But I think it's a lot to attribute to that is that he he blocks, you know, quarterbacks' blind sides. And I don't think that – I don't think that the Dolphins need a, a left tackle jet. 
They need anyone on the offensive line, and even <laughs> even being even with Tua being a left-handed quarterback, uh, with with who the Dolphins have on the offensive line, whether it's Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, Jesse Davis, like all of those guys are not good. And putting Taron Armstead on this line, regardless if Tua decides to switch hands in the middle of the season, so you know you can get more out of Taron Armstead, um, he is he is a good option for the Dolphins to target in free agency. I actually I have Tua switching hands the same time I have John Morant switching numbers, so <laughs> maybe maybe that'll come true. I mean the odds were pretty astounding on that, plus ninety four thousand from Vegas. So I actually did put ten thousand dollars on. I don't know if that was a smart bet or not. Um, Jet, is there anything else you'd like to add about NFL free agency? Not necessarily NFL free agency, but I think uh, one thing that we should touch on before we get out of here for this episode is talk Word a little of the day? bit about. Say that again. Word of the day. Is well, that before that, say? I think we should uh, mention. <laughs> uh, we, we don't need a word of the day every episode because I think it's kind of <laughs> pinning down our ratings just a little bit. But the guy that I want to talk about is uh, Deshaun Watson, and obviously, um, all of those allegations against him, he has not been um, criminally charged for any of those allegations. And now the Deshaun Watson market is starting to heat up and there are several teams in on him just like they were all throughout the season. Uh, a few of the few of the team names that have been discussed have been teams like the Seahawks, Panthers. Uh, some of those some of these team names that are being discussed I really don't get. Like the Eagles are another one. Um, where do you think Deshaun Watson is going to end up for the 2022 season? I think Deshaun Watson in 2022, we'll be playing nine games okay. at Lucas Oil Stadium. Wow. Anything you'd like to say about that, Jeff? So are you saying that he's going to get suspended, or are you saying that he is... Uh, I'm saying he's going to play nine home games at Lucas Oil Stadium. He'll oh, play eight oh, games oh, on the road. Okay. okay, I got you, I got you. He'll play nine at Lucas Oil. He'll play one down at his old stomping grounds. One in Jacksonville. Hopefully, that can be our first ever win against Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. At least that's what it feels like. Tennessee Titans, if we get Deshaun Watson, they'll be an afterthought, which would be the greatest thing ever because I hate the Tennessee Titans. But Yeah. yeah um, I could still see Deshaun Watson obviously getting suspended for his actions because there's still criminal um, charges against him, even though he wasn't penalized um, criminally. Um, the team that I don't get why is being mentioned with is the Seahawks. We talked about them a little bit before. They're headed for a full rebuild, yeah. and for them to trade a bunch of draft picks away for Deshaun Watson, obviously, you know they have the weapons to you know boost his stock a little bit. But the the Seahawks are not going anywhere. Anywhere, a team that I really like and has been discussed plenty is the Carolina Panthers, and they're seemingly. Um, poised to make an aggressive offer for Deshaun Watson. And obviously with the amount of receivers they already have on that team, and if we'll see if they retain Christian McCaffrey, I think Deshaun Watson would be a really good fit in Carolina. Yeah, I could see that as well. Um, I think Deshaun Watson would win the most if he goes to Indy, but, you know, his no-trade clause, it's, it's up to him. We'll see where he wants to go, and that's... That's something interesting about no trade clauses that we'll get to see. We'll get to see what seems like the most appealing team to a player from a player's perspective. That's what I like about no trade clauses. Jed, I understand you had a few questions for me that you wanted me to answer real quick before we get to the word of the day. Yeah. 
Um, going back to the Russell Wilson stuff a little bit, can you rank for me the the top four quarterbacks in order on the AFC West now? I mean, it's it goes Mahomes, Herbert. I think Herbert is better than Russ. I think Mahomes, Herbert, Russ, Carr. I have them all in the top ten though. Okay, yeah, I I have the same same order as you. Obviously, being that Russell Wilson's now in the AFC West, that division just got a whole lot more competitive, so it's going to be exciting uh, to see what happens going forward. Um, another question: The AFC I have for, is crazy. Yeah, the the AFC just keeps getting stronger with with all these moves that are being Especially made. Especially if Deshaun goes to the Colts or <laughs> any other contender in the AFC, like yeah, it's going to be tough to even make the playoffs. How many games will the uh, both the Broncos and Seahawks win in 2022? The Denver Broncos are going to go. I mean, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but just a number that feels right off the top of the head. I think they'll go 10 and 7. And the Seahawks? Seahawks, for their sake, I hope they win less than four games. Okay. Um, my final question is going to be uh, I think I, I think I asked you this already if, if Washington could make the playoffs but how many games do you see Washington winning in 2022 I think Washington with Carson Wentz is going to win nine games again nine games again I think All the right. defense is good if it can play to its potential Terry McLaurin's a good player Logan Thomas you know there's pieces there I think that the NFC East plays an easier schedule. Carson Wentz will be playing against the Colts next season, which is interesting. He'll play against the Eagles twice, and he'll play against the Colts next year, which is going to be something cool to look out for. But, yeah, it's it's um, it's hard to determine how many wins they're going to have because the scheduling is going to be easier this year for him, but the team isn't going to be as good as the Colts' surrounding cast was. All right, so that those are all the questions that I had for you. Uh, do you want to get to that word of the day? Oh, I've been waiting for it. I've been hoping this episode would end, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers at home that have made it this far have been too. The word of the day is uncouth. Uncouth. U-N-C-O-U-T-H. Uncouth. And what does that mean? Hold on, hold on. Uncouth. Uncouth. Behaving in a rude way or not polite or socially acceptable. So, you know, while Deshaun Watson is an incredible quarterback, he is uncouth at the massage parlor. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler is so overrated that it's uncouth. It's rude to, to be overrated so much to, you know, give Heat fans hope. It's uncouth. Um, you know, it's hard to relate this word back to a lot of professional athletes, but I think Deshaun Watson was the best example. Um, you know, I don't really get the Jimmy Butler example, but, um, considering we are uh, first in the East still, uh, which is looking like it's not going to change anytime soon, but we don't really need to bring up much NBA talk in this episode. It's all right. I mean, the Suns did beat you by like 40, um, but you're right. Let's not bring up the NBA. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the 258 Sportscast. 
I'm your host, Tommy. This is my apprentice, Jet. And that was the 25-8 Sportscast webinar. Thanks, everybody.